your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Like the guy just said, and I also the guy just said, I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me today is Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. Hi, Tim. Hello. Thanks for dropping in. Yeah. Um, you going to hit the rotary lights right after this, or no? I see them. <laughs> you see them. Um, all right. So there's about a thousand things on the list, and I, I want to get to. We'll see what we. This always happens. I bring you on. Yep. And I have a thousand things on the list. Oh no, I get really nervous about like because none of them. Because yeah, yeah. Because a, I'm like, what are we going to talk about? And I don't exactly know because I'm. This isn't my forte. Like I try to learn about this stuff, and and sometimes that's good because I'll ask you about it, and because I don't know, and then I can just ask questions as opposed to having more of a conversation. And then by the end of the show, I'm like, wow, we didn't get to ninety percent of the things I wanted to talk about. So some of the things, uh, please. Policing committee, is that the best way to call yeah. that? Uh, we, there was a meeting a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, uh, just a, that ongoing. So that's one of the things. Um, what about the guns? What happens to the guns? That's always a thing. I, I think every time you come on, we, we talk about that to an extent. We just had uh, uh, the, the kid Hickey. Sage Hickey. Sage Hickey sentenced. was sentenced for killing, right? He yes. For killing a... 15-year-old, I think. Storm Vondershek. And, you know, those guys, like, met, but down by Gunderson, and there were they all had guns. Yes. So it's like, well, we understand what happens to the people there, whether it's tragedy and someone dies, another one gets shot. I don't think, did Sage get shot? I can't remember. If, no, he was hit, uh, but no no shot. He was hit. Oh, by the gun. Yes. Bun to the gun, right? Yes. Like, because the, the one dude... Storm had a sawed-off shotgun, I think. Yeah, he had a long gun. I don't remember if it was a shotgun or rifle, but he had some type of long gun. And it was sawed-off, right? I was it? so. Yeah, not sure I just remember that. reading that in the criminal complaint. I suppose you read, like, 7,000 criminal complaints a day. So, um, But, yeah, so, like, we, we know what happens to the people all the time. So that was, that was another thing. Like, I always want to know, and I don't think we do a great job of, like, where did what happened to the, Not even so much what happened to the gun, is how did they get the gun, and is that investigated? Because that always seems to be, um, you know, a problem in America. Like, how do these people get these guns? If they're not supposed to have them, are they supposed to have them? Um, West Salem triple homicide that happened in 2021. Uh, yeah, I know you can't talk a ton about this, but the the jury in the Nia Tao trial couldn't come to decision. I don't know. I don't watch enough court shows to understand how this works in my head. If a jury doesn't come to a consensus that he's mm-hmm. guilty, is he then not guilty? So there's, <laughs> yeah. so we could talk about that. But yep. before we get into any of that, and speaking of TV, do you have like a favorite like cop TV show? A favorite cop TV show, um, probably uh, Law and Order SVU. Okay, so that that one's fairly. Re- I know there's like seventy five of those. Uh, SVU is the one with Ice T and Mariska Hargitay. Okay, it's been on for decades, I think. But seeing Ice T as a cop always found funny. Right, yeah, that's good. Just his his background. Yeah, just and seeing Ice T playing a cop always struck me. as Wait, good. is Ice T the one that sing sang the controversial song "Bleep the Police"? No, that was. Uh, but he sang "Cop Killer," which was no, "Cop Killer." That was it. Yep. "Cop Killer." I, I remember. 
as NWA, a NWA. I remember as a teen having gotten that CD. Okay. And not even like I don't even know anything about like I just like the song even though I don't understand or mm-hmm. even comprehend the words. And then being like and then I was kind of like, "Whoa, you got the cuz I think the CD got banned or or it was very hard to get for a time." Yeah. Um so you're you're big into that song, huh? No, I'm just kidding. No, not the song. <laughs> the just, irony of Ice T uh, being uh, uh, in that show. Top, yeah. What about court shows? Like, not are there any good ones out? Are now? there any I, court shows where they're I just see. in court most of the time? I don't even know if that exists. It I, seems... I'm not a big uh, drama TV watcher. I'm more into streaming stuff, Netflix and movies these days. But um, I didn't. I don't think I was ever really a fan of other than Law and Order SVU. I don't really remember any court shows I was into. And then also, like, then you're just watching work. Is there is there an aspect of this not, like, or, or do really. you find that stuff interesting? I, it, it can be interesting. It's not. That's not the reason. I just uh, there's so much to watch these days. On, uh, in SVU, do they go to court? Yes. Yep. And do they get it right, or do you roll your eyes? SVU is probably the one show that got it right more often than others. Okay. They talked more about sexual assault and sensitive crimes, obviously, and I think they did a pretty good job of making it better than others. It's still TV and fiction, but right. they did a lot that I thought was pretty good. I do this a lot with like doctor shows, ER and mm-hmm. House. And the, my one doctor friend said, you know, the show that got it right the best is Scrubs. Oh. <laughs> of all the, like, Scrubs the comedy. And they're like, ER and House are ridiculous, but Scrubs is kind of, even though it is also ridiculous, like, it's more realistic than, than the other ones. Um, what about all the podcasts that try to solve unsolved murders? What do you think of those? Not the, those. These are like a huge hit. I yeah. don't know if you pay attention to this. Some are okay. Podcasts, I mostly... I like Conan O'Brien, and I like one called Dark History. Other than that, uh, that that's enough for me. Yeah. Um, and then I know the Netflix show, like, tried to – that one got really popular about trying to solve an unsolved murder in Wisconsin. I can't remember. I didn't watch it. These aren't my things. Are you making a murder? Making a murderer, Avery, right? I didn't yeah. watch that. Do you, do, when you, what's your conclusion when you, when you watch that? You're like, wow, they really, or no, because, because last time you were on, we talked about, or maybe it was two times ago because the, the, one of the TV stations or, you know, national TV yeah. shows on this stuff came to look into that West Salem murder again, yes. right? With the, 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 the pipe that went through the window. Yes, uh, 48 hours did that. Yeah. Um, you know, all those shows are just, you just have to remember you're watching something that it's given to you as piecemeal. You're not seeing the whole thing. And I just have to remind myself as I'm watching it, some are entertaining and I enjoy them, but I just always have to remember there's things they didn't show me that there's things I don't know. So I watch it as entertainment and something maybe interesting, but I don't really vote or have a conclusion from that. And you, and you were, you were part of that last show that they interviewed you, but then they, they only, they take like the kind of the, the highlights of that case and, that's that's the thing, right? You kind of roll your eyes at it, and you're like, "Wow, you really um, you really missed the point here in trying to make this like not solved." As an elected official, as a district attorney, I always think like I should talk to the public and the media when they ask. I, I, I decline very few requests. I do decline some, but I always think it's part of my job is to answer questions. But when somebody talks to you for hours and they only show a few minutes, you always think, you know, I would have shown more. But that's not my job, and it's it's more entertainment. But I still think I should answer the questions and, and try to give people answers when they're asking. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke sticking in here for the hour if you have questions. Uh, shoot us a text. We'll be back after this. Grinke requested this song, by the way, people. This uh, sappy wham last Christmas. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
I guess they're all kind of savvy. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I'm Rick Solon. Tim Grinke is the Lacrosse County District Attorney. I think you're heading into year 14, maybe? A couple months? Uh, you're just totally yeah, something like that. I, I know better than you. It's funny. Um, okay, so what we should call this show is how things work. Like okay. how things work with like police and legal and, system and the legal system. And also, like, I might just not understand the scope of your job. So some of these questions might just be like, um, I know the answer, but this is out of my purview. Sure. And okay, so let's should we do the should we do the thing we're talking about off the air or should we do the West Salem trial thing? Your show, man. Okay, it's your so show. Well, the West Salem trial one isn't as relatable, but the other thing when it comes to getting pulled over is, but I want to okay. do the West Salem trial because it is actually like news. All right. And you can't speak a ton about this because it's an ongoing trial. Uh, West Salem triple murder happened in August of 2021, I believe. might have been 2020, actually. Um, so, A, like, wow, it takes a long time to get through the court system, right? Part of that was COVID, but yeah. yeah. Um, and we're still ca- playing catch up there? Yeah, not we're, really. we're doing better, but COVID did set us back quite a ways with cases. We're, we're catching up, though. When Sage Hickey, the, the kid that was um, sentenced last week, I mean, did that take about the right, 200 days? I think he's been in jail for, for uh, you know, a, um, attempted or, I guess, murdering another person. Well, he was out for a long time. He was in for the last 200 days because of a bond violation. But oh, okay. Before that, he was out for a good year or two. So that was okay. Delayed. So, and that's my point is like a good year or two before yeah. he like gets sentenced. And that is that like typical that amount of time? No, most trials I tell people give it about a year, uh, give or take. But COVID really set all of our trials back, and there's kind of a backlog. But we're mostly done with it now. But there's still a little bit of. A delay for some cases how things work a year is they is the year the amount of time you and other lawyers would need to like figure out a case or is a year because we just that's how many people are in court because of the people in court mostly i, I think for any kind of a complicated trial it's going to take a while not so much because of that particular case but also just because of the court's calendar and the attorney's calendars and the witnesses calendars to get a bunch of people together for a week to clear their schedules is takes a while and you have to set it out far enough so that everyone can set that date and set it aside. Yeah. For some of the lesser trials, you know, nine months is maybe more doable. Um, but it's more so just the judges already have trials going into February, March, April of next year. So people getting arrested now looking for a trial for a week, it's going to be next summer or fall where you've got a full week open in the judge's calendar. Are we doing courts right in, in terms of, I, I had to go to court once for a ticket and, you know, you had to show up a couple of times because I wanted to fight it. And then it was, okay, you come and, and, and then you, you, you do your thing and then you come back in a couple of weeks. And I was like, well, that first thing could have been an email. And now I played, yeah. paid the lawyer to come over here. And I really don't – all I said was not guilty. Yep. And I, I could have just texted you that, you know. We're always <laughs> trying to streamline things. Uh, it's, it's a constant battle. But some things just get in the way, which is just the ability to have an initial appearance where you're informed of the charges against you. Judges don't want to do a lot at the first hearing because you just found out what you're being charged with, and most people need some time before they jump into a decision. Uh, if you have an attorney, they should take some time to look over the case and develop a defense that you might have, investigate the case. And again, to get back in front of the judge takes some time. So you could do it quick if you wanted. Easy cases that are resolved with a plea could be as little as two, three months. Right. But that's where it's easy, not complicated, and everyone wants to get it done. More often than not, you should take some time before you make a big decision that affects the rest of your life. But all and that information could be emailed. And then you, you just respond yep. to the email co- confirming that you received it. 
yes. somehow where instead of like everybody go to court because I, when I was sitting there, I was like, okay, we got the judge, we got the bailiff, we got this person typing. And there was like four or five other people, quote unquote, working, you know, but they're just sitting there. Yep. And I was like, wow, we're, we're paying a lot of people to do to sit here all day. And all of us in here are just here for 10 seconds to do a thing. And we're here and gone. That all could have been email. Some of it is by statute and uh, that by constitution, you have to be up here in person for some things and make sure the judge knows they're really talking to you. Make sure you're understanding. Make sure you get the email, have a conversation. So it's some of it just can't be done. And those statutes were created Prior to computers, I'm sure, or something like yes. that, you know? As well as the Constitution. Yes. <laughs> right. So, hey, lawmakers, instead of taking off from March until next December uh, to campaign, maybe we, we update the statutes. Because I really feel like that could get the court kept caught up or just, like, streamline this stuff, and then we're not waiting two years. Well, just today some people were talking about the last time the criminal code was revised was before 1980 for sure. Might have been been before that so we're going on 40 50 years the last time we looked at these criminal statutes so it, it probably is time to instead of just add new laws revisit the whole thing and see what makes sense what do we still need to do yeah. with technology what can we do away with so some of it is antiquated because of the technology yeah right around then i think we were playing atari i want to say or maybe just pong maybe at even, that point maybe just pong Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. See, I got to. We didn't even. Like, this, I started this conversation with like the Neotau West Salem triple homicide trial. So Neotau, uh, what, what can you just you do it? So uh, <laughs> I was going to try to do. It. I don't have the terminology. Your, your question was that you know hung, it ended up in a hung jury. We call yeah, it, he's accused jury. of murder, right? Yeah, three counts of murder and uh, felon possession of a firearm. The trial happened. And the jury could not decide unanimously either guilty or not guilty. So if you're guilty, you obviously know what happens. If it's not guilty, you get set free. But it's basically a tie. There is no decision. The court declares a mistrial. And the one time that you can be retried without double jeopardy is in this situation where the jury did come to an agreement, so we have to do the trial again. Um, it's, it's neither guilty nor not guilty. And it happens rarely. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. Uh, because every criminal's case has to be unanimous, 12 people, guilty or not guilty. And these days I think it's hard to find 12 people who don't know each other to agree on anything. So the fact that they agree unanimously so often is still a little bit amazing to me. But if you just have one person uh, saying one way or the other versus the rest, the judge will say we have to do this again with another jury. Okay, uh, so I guess I was confused. In, in, my, in my head it was if the, the jury doesn't come to a consensus, then – you're not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Or you're gu- nope. You, so that's not the thing. That's huh? not it. If you have even one person saying guilty versus eleven not guilty, or the other way, or six six, or any combination, if it's not unanimous either way, it's considered uh, hung or tied or whatever word you want to use. And the judge declares a mistrial, and then we have to try it again with another jury to get it done. Either way, it's got to be unanimous. So and this is, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like how, <laughs> and if they don't come to a consensus one way or the other. In in a murder trial, you can you can go back to trial because because it's because it's murder. Is that the any, deal? Any trial, any crime. Because uh, you said double jeopardy. I don't. Well, and that's not that movie with like Jean Claude Van Damme or whatever. Uh, actually, Judd actually with Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> so double jeopardy means you can't be tried for the same thing twice. Yep. So if the state loses a case, they can't recharge you and retry you. They can't make you go through it again and again, unless you go through trial and the jury doesn't come to a verdict. Then okay. You can retry the case. 
so the state can go back and retry you and you. Okay, so these 12 people, if they're not all yes or all not all no or right. guilty or not guilty, we try, try so we can retry it. Okay, yes. well, that makes sense. And, yeah, I wonder what the percentage is where the jury doesn't come to a consensus pretty, like that. pretty low, but like I said, I'm, I've always been surprised they come to an agreement either way because 12, they don't know each other. You've been doing this for like 20-some 20 years, 27 right? 27 years. 27 years. Every trial, you're like, wow, all 12 of them came. <laughs> like, yeah. are you like, I can't believe it. I did a good job right. or I did a terrible job. Either way, there's always somebody that will disagree with things that seem obvious. Think about some of your friends that you disagree with, family members. But 12 people who never met each other agreeing to something these days I, I think is more and more rare. And uh, it just takes one to either be obstinate or difficult or just have a different belief system and yeah, both sides are frustrated with it, but it thankfully happens rarely. Because the TV shows that I always watch, it's always that one juror, and they're in that room, and then everyone's pissed at them because they're like, dude, if we just – and they're like, I'm not so sure. And then what? there's one movie. Is it called 13 Jurors? Where Twelve they, Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men. You right? are horrible at references. <laughs> um, Twelve 13. Angry Men. There's not even – is it always 12 it's jurors? It's always 12 people. Okay. Um, so 12 Angry Men is a great movie. Um but, yeah, it is, it is odd that they come to an agreement as often as they do because it could just be one person who just wants to be oppositional. And um, sometimes people compromise. Some people, uh, you know, come to an agreement, but they've got to come to an agreement unanimously. When the jury comes out, so this is also, I don't know how the courts work, and they're like, we don't have an agreement yet, and the judge, get back in there and figure yes. it out, right? Yes. Do, you, do you know as a, like, is everything done at that point, or can you go back and be like as a DA or a lawyer and be like, let me talk some more no, and maybe convince you? Everything's done. Uh, okay. Once the jury's deliberating, everything's done, and there are times when a jury will come back and say, we can't decide. Depending on how long it's been or how complicated the case is, the judge might say, okay, you really have to give it a shot. If you're being stubborn, don't be stubborn. Listen to people. Do your best because... You're the best jury to hear this case, and <clears throat> they'll try to have them maybe do it again. But if they come back again and say we're stuck, the judges usually say, well, we're not going to just make them sit there and stare at each other. So they eventually will say, I'm going to declare a mistrial, and then we – but we don't know what the count is or what's going on or what the question is during that time. That's all confidential. Everything's out of your hands at that point, yes. too, because I was thinking, like, yes. okay, Patty over there isn't – the rest of them are on with me, but Pat, i got to talk to Patty. It's all you know? speculation, <laughs> and you, you can't – do anything at that point to change it. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Tim Grinke, Lacrosse County District Attorney, is in here with me. If you guys want to shoot us a text or give us a call, you got questions about anything that's happening, um, or just you know you need some lawyer advice, Tim. You take you do that. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I do. I have. Oh, I don't need lawyer advice, but I have some uh, pretty interesting scenarios I want to bring up. We'll be back. I don't think I've ever heard this one. John Cougar Bellingham. Well, I feel like someone else sings I Saw Miami Tasting Santa Claus better. Yeah, it's the original version. Like I can just grab Bing or Andy or Bing Crosby, you know, whoever whoever it is, Frank Sinatra. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the dog at text line. Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke's in here. Uh, his favorite court show is, no, his favorite cop show is, well, I just forgot. All I remember is SVU. That's right. Law and order. Law and order. Well, how many of those are there? Because I went home for the weekend one time. My dad was watching one just straight up out of Miami. So I think it was a CSI, though. There's a CSI Miami, I think. Yeah. Guy Miami. Yeah. I was like, why? I'm like, do you do CSI Milwaukee? You know, like then, you know, be relevant to to, why are you watching this one? Um, All right. So a couple other things I wanted to to talk about. Okay. I brought up where the gun goes. We just we just uh, 
sentenced the kid, I guess, well, he's not really a kid, he's 19, to uh, killing a 15-year-old in, on the south side of the cross. They all met by Gunderson, by apartments by Gunderson, uh, mad about something stupid. Well, that's that's anyone's opinion, but I think it was it was pretty stupid. I think it was a, about a girl or something, uh, you know, as teenagers. And then guns were and in court too, right? Like the judge and the prosecutors, some of the some of the people involved there had had talked about like the the idea of settling things with guns, right? Yes. That that was part of this conversation. Yes. How how much is court like? We got to teach a little bit of a lesson here, along with punishment. Also, like somebody needs to like give you some some life advice, right? I think a lot of the judges feel that way. I think a lot of what the judges feel is they should try to make an impact on somebody while they have the chance. And so while they've got them in court, try to give them some life advice because none of us want to come back and see it happen again. So I think a lot of it is. I think a lot of the judges at least try to say something that will reach the person to say, you've got to figure your life out. You've got to stop drinking or doing drugs or fighting or whatever it is. You've got to stop this and let's try to figure out how we stop this. That's a big part of what... I think the judges try to do. I could be wrong here, but do we fail as a society when that person's like, okay, judge, A, I'm kind of mad at you because you're sentencing me, and then B, like, I'm going to go now and then give me the well, the help that you're asking me to seek? Well, just give it to me. I'm, I'm ready. Like, I'm going to take it. Or they go to jail. Do they get that help when they're in prison, I should say, or jail? Well, the, I think part of the problem is, I mean, we try to do what we can when we can, so the judges are trying, but there's been a lot of damage that's happened before we got to that point. So... We have a lot of people, I think, that suffer from mental illness as well as drug addiction. That's not new. But I think the judges, you know, try to do what they can, and it might be too little too late. But in jail, they do have a lot of programs, actually, for people. Mm -hmm. And probation has a lot of resources for people. It's probably not enough. It's probably not good enough. And, of course, some people are not in a position where they can really uh, benefit from that. But it's probably... We're putting a lot of resources at the back end of the system instead of more in trying to get people from coming into the system in the first place. Because the time they get to us, they're pretty damaged people. A lot of people are just had a long life of trauma and addiction and abuse. So there's just a lot we're dealing with at the back end. Okay, so going back, get sidetracked. The the guns involved in this case. I know. I don't know how. Do you know how many guns were involved in that situation? I think at least three. I think um, at least three. And when we're going through this process, we I, I understand we can figure out who should and shouldn't have a gun. Yes. And how they should and shouldn't have a gun. Did they attain the gun legally? But then how much does either the police or I guess it would probably be upon the police to go to keep going with the case and go, okay, well, this kid who's 15 had a sawed-off shotgun or Sage Hickey, who I believe was 18 or 17, yep. um, had whatever kind of gun he had. And he shouldn't have had it, but where did he get the gun? And let's trace it back. And I mean, yep. this is something we talk about all the time, but how, how often that's never a part of these stories. The story kind of ends with he's going to prison for two years because he killed a 15 year old and, and that's it. We don't care anymore about what happened to the guns. Well, the, if a gun is used in a crime, it gets destroyed. So the crime yep. lab uh, destroys guns that are used in a crime. At the same time, the police in any shooting, uh, I think any crime where a gun is used or fired, they do try to track where the gun came from. They even try to track the ammunition to match it to a gun that may have been used somewhere else. And the ATF also helps in that. Um, to be honest, a lot of times, either it's just not findable. The, we don't know where it came from. A lot of times it was bought legally at some point somewhere, and it was stolen. And mm. it was reported stolen, and who knows how many hands it went through by the time it got 
back to this person. Um, we also have these days things called ghost guns, where you can go on the internet, buy the pieces of a gun, put it together. There's no serial number. You can buy it on the internet because it's in pieces, and that's impossible to trace. Um, yeah, we need. So we, we we talk about this quite a bit because uh, one of the one of the kids. Well, I don't know if he was a kid, but uh, Anthony Fimple was killed by a ghost, ghost gun, gun in and in Lacrosse downtown. Recently, we had another person shot with a ghost gun. So they're they're out there, and they're impossible to trace. But most of the guns that we are able to trace are bought legally at some point, but stolen. Um, and we sometimes find them, you know, guns that are stolen from here, we find them all over the Midwest in different places. So it's amazing how far and how quick they can travel. But uh, people trade guns, they sell guns to people they know, and um, they just kind of spread around. So if you do have guns, I would just urge everyone to try to be safe, keep them locked when they're not in use, keep track of them, use a gun safe, because... Uh, Legally obtained stolen firearms is a is a big business. It'd be interesting to know the percentage, you know, of a, of all the murder trials, X amount, or all the homicides, I should say, how many of the guns that were involved were stolen yeah. that that ended up in this person's hands? Because then it would be like, okay, well, why is everyone's gun getting getting stolen? Well, I think we know why. A lot of people that have guns. Uh, aren't responsible. Some are stolen from gun stores, you know, and yeah. then you get 20 or 30 guns at one crack. That just happened recently in uh, Rockland. Um, so Was it a gun store or somebody that owns a gun store? Oh, it was a gun store, okay. Um, and so we've got cases like that. And then if you think about people who have access to guns, it, it's not always stolen from, like, a criminal breaking their house at night. It could be kids take it from their parents, they take it from older brothers, family members, friends. They have access to other people's guns and they take it, or even other people's gun safes. And so... A lot of them are just taken that easily. It doesn't have to be like broken yeah. into. And once they're stolen, you again, you trade it for drugs, you sell it for drugs, you just sell it for money, and then who knows where it goes from there. Are the are the guns all that hard to trace back to a certain? I mean, Not, I get it. You could scratch a serial serial number off or something yeah, like that. But beyond that, if you have a serial number, most of them do. You can find where it was sold originally. Mm-hmm. It's just that it could be once it's stolen, all bets are off. Or even if it's sold. I was going to say, is there? Uh, there's different ways we can sell guns where that then we you kind of lose track of right. the trail, so right. to speak, right? Exactly, exactly. Is that is that legislation that we could like fix, or does it need fixing, or is that not a problem? Well, I mean that's that's a huge debate because some people think that that would be um, infringing on people's right to bear arms. Other people think that that would help us. But if you think about like cars, we all have cars that we can register, and you can easily trace where a car is sold, get the register title, sign it over, turn it into DMV. You don't with guns, so you can sell a gun to anybody or give them as, as a gifts. And if you wanted to control that, it'd be a huge undertaking for one. And some people would think it's against your rights. It'll just be one big Google Doc. It would be one. Uh, <laughs> it'd be one way to trace guns, though. Better. Yeah. I don't know that people smarter than me can figure out if that's a way to stop crime or not. But it would at least trace guns better. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I wonder if it would help. Because it would be a big undertaking, and then a would the undertaking and the resources needed to do that actually help stop whatever's happening with the guns? You know, you would need a, a government agency as big as a DMV to track all the guns and whether they're sold and who has them and who get a license. For that that would be a big undertaking, and to some people, it would be unconstitutional. Yeah, I'll leave it. To other is the argument there like? Is the argument then the government knows that I have the yes. gun and they're going to come steal it or come not steal it, but come take it when when the government decides that they're going to be the overlords and nobody can have guns? That's one argument. I don't know if I buy into that argument as much, but some people have that argument. Another argument, though, is you're infringing on my right because why should I have to tell the government when I'm buying a gun 
because I have a right to have one. Unlike a car, where you don't have that right in the Constitution. So there is that. Oh, argument. the Second Amendment. Okay, so yes. there's not a there's not like a Fifteenth Amendment on cars. cars right. That my my right to bear cars right. or something. So like it is that. a little different than cars. Okay, so. that makes sense. Uh, the, okay, and that's where the argument comes. We're learning stuff. We're learning stuff with Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke. Um, all right, so. I'm going to throw this this scenario at you, and and if anyone else has a weird scenario, they could shoot me a text. Um, a friend of mine, kind of, she she tried to describe what happened. They were driving through a town, got pulled over. The cop said that they failed to yield for a pedestrian, and then and this might not be your thing, like you're no, a district is. attorney, okay? Yeah. And they were they were like, well, where where's the first of all? They're like, where's the pedestrian? What inter? They said that the cop didn't tell them what intersection it was at. And they also didn't see where, like, they just didn't see him. So, like, if the if the guy was behind a car or behind a truck at a crosswalk, I, I wouldn't even have seen them. Mm-hmm. And and then they didn't get they didn't get a ticket for failing to yield. They got a ticket for disturbing the peace. They're like a dumbed down. Hmm. You know, I can give you a ticket for going a hundred miles per hour over the speed limit, okay. or I can give you one for ten miles and you won't lose lose your license or whatever. So got it. Um, but what are like it's it's basically a he said she said if you don't have body cam or or car cam footage of this like does the law automatically go the cop is telling the truth here or do you go do you have to go back to the beyond a reasonable doubt i have to prove that i didn't yield for a pedestrian right so the law doesn't automatically go with the police officer but it if you don't have a video which you might not cuz the officers have body cam and squad video, but they're not running all the time. Mm-hmm. They've got to activate it. So an officer could see you roll through a stop sign, or they could see you go through a red light, or they could see you almost hit a pedestrian. All those things might not be on video if they don't have it running at the time, yeah. which they probably wouldn't. So in that case, it is your word against the officer, and just like before we had videos, it was that way. Yeah. But it's not automatic. Uh, you could go to a trial, and if it's a ticket, it would be a trial to the judge unless you wanted to pay for a jury. But the judge would have to determine, do I think this officer is telling me the truth, or do I think the citizen is telling me the truth, or do I not know, uh, I think by clear and convincing evidence, not beyond reasonable doubt. Um, so that would be the test for the judge, to decide, you know, what did the officer see, how did they describe it, are they credible, and then the citizen would also testify, and other witnesses would also testify. And judges are uh, tasked with making that call. Yeah. Now, I know some people would say, uh, you can get an attorney to represent you, but a lot of people would say for a ticket, that's a lot of money to pay for an attorney. But you could get an attorney to represent you. Right. But you could. And so it's not automatic. Uh, you could ask for at least a court trial. You could ask the police to prove it. And it would be up to them to prove it. The burden's on them. So It does seem nerve-wracking, though, if it's like $200 ticket and I want to go to the courts, but I don't want to hire someone for $250 or whatever yep. a lawyer fee would be. Yep. And then, okay, I don't even know really how the courts work, so then i got to kind of depend on, like, well, maybe the judge is nice enough to help me walk me through this thing. And then, you know, I've seen that happen before, but, like, maybe maybe the judge is like, you're an idiot, you, should, you know, get out of here. The, the cops said you did it. Well, you know, judges are as different as everybody else. So yeah. they, they, it's not their job to help you. They can't give you legal advice. They're there to make the decision. Some judges are, you know, better than others, of course. But it would be up to the judge to decide if they're convinced that you are guilty of this infraction or not. Yeah, it is funny too, because like any scenario, you know, before body cams and and car dash cams, you know, you you rolled that stop sign or you ran that stop sign. Or like, you, no, I didn't. And then it's like, okay, well, then where are we? You can't really prove it, but you can't not prove it. Yeah, it is. It is up to the state always, though, to be the ones to prove it. So the burden is on them. Yeah. Now it, it may be a small burden, and you may think the judge will believe the cops. 
Um, but that's that's how the system's set up. You right. just have a chance to go in front of a judge and argue your case and explain why you think you didn't do this. So. And these people, you know, of course, they're adamant that there was no pedestrian, and sure. and the cop is lying, and it's just like, okay, well, that's pretty nefarious on a cop. But then is it like, are there cops out there that are just, you know, like, I'm having a bad day. I want to give it to somebody. Like, I, you know, that, that seems like a, a risky endeavor to, uh, you know, for, for your job. Well, I, I would hope not. I mean, I think, I hope cops around here are really good. And most of the things here are on squad video and body cam. But throughout history, we've certainly seen police officers lie, so you can't rule it out. But I would hope, and I think it is rare that police officers would risk their job over something like a ticket. Right. I, I don't know what they this, get out of it. This that. goes back to the, like, it's the end of the month and we have to hit the quotas. Yeah. And it's like, well, police don't have quotas. And it's, right. eh, do they? <laughs> yeah, they don't believe they do. But they, uh, again, you know, would they really, would they lie over this or is it a misunderstanding or something else? But plenty of people do dispute their tickets. We do have court trials where people dispute speeding, going through stoplights, uh, you know, failing to yield. Uh, we do have plenty of people who do dispute their tickets. And they just kind of wing it. They go in there and go, okay, I'm going to figure it out. Well, so yeah, and, and it's not it's because it's not a jury. It's not that complicated. It's basically telling your story sure. to the judge. Um, sometimes it's cleared up and there's uh, an explanation. Sometimes the judge finds you guilty. So there are people that do that. This goes back to all the conversations that we've had in the past on the show is, okay, so that person, if they want to do that $200 ticket, well, I got to take a day off of work. Yep. And then there I've lost the $200 or a day of vacation. Yep. And then, um, and then the ticket themselves, for for somebody that's very rich, a they don't, a they might not care about the ticket, or a lot of people that are rich are stingy with money, and they can afford to go to court and maybe a get a lawyer or b just go there and and wing it yes. on their own, and they have the availability to do that because they don't have to worry about going to work that day. Yep, it's that's one of the inequities in the system that if you don't have money, it's a lot harder to challenge these things. Um, and I, I don't have a solution, but yes, that is one of the inequities that we have where people who have money can certainly afford better outcomes than people who just can't risk it, can't chance it, can't take a day off of work, just can't do it. So. And we've, we've talked about some, you know, I don't know if they're great solutions. I don't even know how it's going because it's probably been a year since we talked about, like St. Paul is no longer, what was it? They're no longer like pulling people over for like a broken taillight, right? Like you just kind of get a warning in the mail. It's not even really a ticket anymore. It's just like a, here's a voucher to go fix your oh. taillight. It's almost something like that. Where you know we're we're trying to solve the inequities, but also then there's no punishment to for me to even go fix it. I guess if there's a voucher to go fix it, you know, hey, free yeah. taillight fix at the store or something. But if there's sure. just like, hey, we're not going to punish you, but your taillight's out, fix it. There's a lot of attempts I think around the country to come up with better or different ideas, and I, I there's pros and cons to all of them. I mean, I do know that people don't like it when they're getting pulled over for minor equipment violations. On the other hand, I think data is pretty clear that when you have people enforcing traffic laws and speeding laws, the number of deaths go down and number of accidents go down. So there's a trade-off for all this. And then if you do want to pull people over, who's going to do it? Should there be money fine or should there be, you know, vouchers? You know, I'm open to all these ideas. It just, you have to take a lot of time to think through all the scenarios. What are we really trying to do? And do we know that this outcome will be better or not? I think the jury's still out on a lot of these the, programs. The city of La Crosse has done one of these things in a way with marijuana, right? Like a grammar under, it's a dollar fine if you're caught. Yep. And have I have we talked about that? Like, what if I'm caught with a grammar under of marijuana every day? Like, I don't know why a cop would catch me every day, but like, is there a 
okay, you've been caught 50 times with a gram of marijuana. Like, what's going on here? I, well, just like with other things, you can do it every day and get the same fine every day. Yeah. Um, it never turns into a crime. So th- th- those things do happen, actually, where people do the same thing over and over again. But if it never rises to a level beyond what it is, that's the penalty every single time. You know, like speeding. You can yeah. speed as many times as you want. You might lose your license, but the, the fine is the same yeah. no matter how many times Marijuana you do it. Marijuana one is weird, though, because it's like an exception to... You know, the rest of Wisconsin, like the city's yeah. not going to fine you for the, the way the rest of the state would, right? Yeah. It's just goofy. Marijuana is such a weird thing. <laughs> it's illegal across the river. Yeah, just, and, and, in, and in a growing number of states, too. Yeah. I know that there's another proposal in Wisconsin to legalize marijuana. I, I, I don't know where it stands or if that's got any promise of passing. But, again, I've said this before, but the surrounding states have made it legal. I think it's only a matter of time. Right, and talking to law enforcement, they're like, "We got better bleep to do than." I think most people in the community think we have better things to do. Uh, There are other drugs that are killing people, fentanyl specifically. We've had a record number of overdoses this year, and so I think most people would say we should be concentrating on those heavier drugs that are costing lives than than marijuana. Um, But the police do the best they can at trying to catch these dangerous drugs, but it's a never-ending battle. All right, we're going to take a break and wrap up here with Cross County District Attorney Tim Grigge. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes here left with Lacrosse County District Attorney Tim Grinky. I just I want to hit on this. I don't have a ton of information. If I attended all the meetings that I would have, but you, the the Lacrosse Police, I'm just going to call it a potential police oversight committee or maybe a potential police oversight group that's in committee or something like that. We're, we're trying to, as a county, come up with some kind of committee to, to look at police matters, I said, I guess, right? Yeah, complaints about the police, I think, specifically. They're, they're, the idea has been uh, going on for a couple of years where the idea is to have a, a group of people where if they've got a problem with the police, uh, whatever it is, they instead of complaining to the police, they have somewhere else to go to voice their concerns. And it could be everything from a use of force complaint to a victim not getting responses to uh, concerns about enforcement actions, uh, being mistreated and, or uh, in some way mistreated by the police in their encounters. Uh, so somewhere where people can go to where they're just having an issue with the police department and are not getting a satisfaction. Yeah, because at this point, if I, if the police, if I feel like the police are harassing me in some way, shape, or form, uh, I can't go to the police. So then what do I do? Go to the city or the county, you know, like who would I go to? Yeah, there's some places you can go to. There's a police and fire commission. There is uh, like city council or village board, depending on where you live. Some places have administrators, some don't. So there are places to go to, but I think the feeling is none of these are really set up to really address a concern. And some of the concerns might not be like illegal or a policy matter, but just a, a, a concern that they want the chief to know about and do something about just to hear them out. So that's, right. that's the idea. Do is this something we, that we need? I mean, in my in my head, that the, a lot of a lot of these things happen because something happened, and in the county, nothing specifically comes to mind that's happened where we go, okay, we need some police oversight because the police did a thing. Yeah. So it's always harder to make the argument that we need the thing when we don't actually have yes. like we can't point to a thing. Right. Yes. I'm saying thing a lot. Thanks. I, <laughs> I, I can say just from my own experience as a district attorney, people complain to me a lot about police where I'm not really the person who oversees the police. Uh, but I, I hear enough complaints to me that I think there's, there's some value in having uh, in the smaller jurisdictions where there isn't any uh, administrator or you know, city council or police and fire commission 
And in the bigger city where there is, but it's not really set up for that, uh, there are people that just have very basic things that I think the chiefs and sheriff would like to know about. Um, they just don't have uh, a way of getting it to them. So I do think there's some out there. How much is hard to know. I don't I've sure everything, but I think there's there's a place for it. And we only have 30 seconds, but the police have been pretty heavily involved in in looking and in, in being a part of this process, right? So the committee that was looking on it had a number of police officers, including the sheriff and Chief Ashbeck from Onalaska and uh, the city police department were on that committee. And in January, the next step is going to be the Judiciary and Law Committee of the county board is going to hear it in January to decide the next step. All right. That's La Crosse County District Attorney Tim Grinke.